Good morning. Second Peter, please. There's Bibles out in front of you. Uh, and if you don't have your own, I do suggest that you have it open in front of you, whether it's your phone or a, a paper Bible to Second Peter. Uh, the verses up that we're going to put up are, are verses that we're just kind of cross-referencing. So if you want to stay with us, we're actually where we're at. You're going to have to have that Bible open. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, I don't know why you gave us to be a singing church, um, but absolutely, because I think it bypasses something that our that our our mind doesn't do on its own. Um, it's a, it's emotions and and things that you've uh, made us into the the way you've created us. And you want to access that because you want all of us. Every bit, every last fiber of our being, you want it all. And so thank you for that. Thank you for just the way that that time kind of gives us a foundation. Even if we don't mean the words that we're singing in the moment. Lord, that our hearts follow our words into that place of worship. So thank you for that time, Lord. And do pray that that foundation is what we would build off of um, as we look into your word and look and bring into the intellectual part and the thinking and the meditating and that those emotions and the knowledge would join into a life that is given over to pleasing you and worshiping you and enjoying you. It's in your sons and we pray. Amen. So we are in the part two of 2 Peter, verses 3 to 11. If you remember, part one is God's part. Everything that he has done in order to get us to this part. And so I'll just recall those two verses that we did last week. His divine power, God's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So hopefully you had some time this week to meditate on those things, continue to ask the Lord to, to give you more, the leftovers, so to speak, the um, what I didn't get to, that his spirit gave those to you this week, and you were able to think on those precious and very great promises. But today, we're going to move into our part. What is your part? Once you have know that divine power, that partaking of the divine nature, once you know that, what is our part in that? My parents are pretty good gift givers. I've had it pretty good in my life. I was fortunate to, fortunate to have received a bunch of cool stuff throughout my younger years. But when I recall, like, what's the first gift that comes to my mind, it is this. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it was like nine, nine, late 90s, and that's my Haro Supra BMX bike. And it was that color. Uh, that's not mine, exactly. But that was my color. 
It was a time of life, and maybe you had this time of life with your friends as well, where we were riding bikes all over town, all through the woods. And I probably begged my parents for a whole year to get me a new bike so I could keep up with the friends that I was riding with. They were getting new bikes, and I wanted a new bike. And I put, man, once, when I got that, whoo, that was a good day. And I put some miles on that bike. I put some wipeouts on that bike. Over in, uh, like, you know, Silver Lake area, if you're familiar with Bucks County, there's some woods over there, some good ramps in there. And so that's where I was. But what if I had received this amazing bike and then just let it rust and gather dust in the garage? What a tragedy, wouldn't it? What a tragedy for the gift giver, my parents, and for me, for just just keep sitting around playing Nintendo, the, re- the original Nintendo, <laughs> and, uh, and let that just sit there and just get rusty. Likewise, we come to that passage today in, our, in, in this verses 3 to 11, where this is a great reminder that the heavenly gifts that the Lord gives us in and through Jesus, the ones we went through all last week, are not meant to be shelved to collect dust and rust. They're meant to be utilized with our own diligent participation. So maybe we use the word gifts, and it's not maybe the best word, because it's a little bit misleading, because you think maybe the gifts of the Holy Spirit, where some are given some kind of gift and some are given another kind of gift. That's not the kind of gifts. Those gifts are truly gifts, and these gifts are truly gifts, But these gifts are much more in keeping with the fruit of the Spirit, things that everyone is given. And the way we are called to implement these gifts in verses 3 to 4, what we did last week, it's much more, the idea of implementing those gifts is much more in keeping with faithfully living into that new reality, the new birth, the new nature living into that, being dead to sin and alive to Christ, and living like it's true. That's what we're going today. So, just to kind of summarize where we're going today, uh, simply, we receive union with Christ freely. Would you guys agree with that? That is a free gift. Union with Christ is a free gift. That's grace. It didn't cost us anything. It cost Christ everything. But after receiving that free gift, we are called to fiercely implement living or working in this new reality through the blessings of that union with him. And furthermore, at much cost to ourselves. See, we don't, that's the part that we, we slip up on sometimes. Is it, we feel like it's a free gift, so it shouldn't cost us anything. It didn't cost us to get the gift but it does cost us to implement the gift. So we're going to continue through. You know, Peter, time's running out for him. He knows the clock is ticking on his life, and he wants to pour back over the basics. Remember we talked about that last week. Pour back over the basics of knowing Christ so that the listeners can recall at all times. As they live life, they're able to... It's been ingrained into him, they can recall at all times because he knows that that's their greatest defense for the lies of the world, is knowing the truth. And so Peter, 
if you recall, had his own failure, didn't he? And I think when he shares these things of what to meditate on, what to focus your whole life on, what to give diligence to, he's recalling it out of his own failure. I didn't do it in this moment. I lost focus. I, 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 my, all I could focus on was my own weakness, my own strength, my own faithlessness. And then, please, through the Spirit, do not do these things. So let it, I'm praying that that's, that's, our, that's our sober, the, the sobering up thought that Peter went through this failure so that we don't have to. So let's continue on in verses 5 to 7. He continues, for this very reason, for the very reason of all this amazing benefit of being in God's, uh, in union with Christ. For that very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Because you have these blessings, with all of this in view that I've just said, because of this perfect provision, make every effort. Do you see the primary source of it? This is really important. We have to see the primary source. Is the primary source us? The answer is no. Everyone shake your head no. No. He's saying because of the reason of God's provision, now make every effort. This is, you know, there's a lot of discussion if you've been around biblical conversations about Grace and works, works and grace. And James tries to teach us to blend the two, that the works come from the grace. And I think we're seeing that here right now. For this reason, make every effort. Do your best. What do you do your best at in life? What do you give your best to? Peter's saying these things. You should try your hardest giving all diligence or haste or eagerness. What are you eager for in life? Just reflect on yourself. What are you eager for? What do you do in haste? In the, in the, maybe, and some of you guys I know are very successful business people. Um, in the business world, before a big deal is done, what, what is expected of the employee? To do their due diligence. Right? To do everything. Because what if they don't do their due diligence? Something could go drastically wrong for the company, right? In the contract or whatever. That's the same idea. Due diligence. When I think about diligence, I think kind of like twofold. One is focus. And then the other is what you exert or the, the effort with which you exert. And you have to have both, don't you? When you're talking about diligence, like a chicken with its head cut off, right? There's a lot of effort. There's a lot of exertion. But is there a lot of focus? No. You, you, see, the, you see the play on this, right? That when we think about this call to make every effort, all of our effort, every effort, he's saying do it in a focused manner, but do it with exertion as well. And so what's he saying? I mean, I, I think I bring that twofold part out because 
Would you say our attention spans are getting better or worse? Worse. Way worse. And there's studies that prove this, that 15 years ago, we could look at our phones and look at the same thing on our phones for two minutes in a row, straight. And that's down to like 47 seconds. And that's just something simple. What about something with implications? Right? We're, we, we have to, that's an uphill battle that we have to fight now. Can we attend to something? Can we give it our effort? So what's he say? He wants to supplement faith. Supplement. Bring in alongside. Add to. I like this idea of participation and sanctification. So in one sense, we're, we're given the gift of faith. Okay, that's a gift. We talked about this. But then once we're given it, now we are asked to become synergistic in it and become part of the participation, part of the sanctification with that gift. And so he wants us to supplement faith. And he goes through a list. And so I'm going to quickly go through this list. But it, you can see the similarities between this and like the Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, and the, the, the likeness of them. Virtue. What's virtue? A real goodness of life. Moral excellence and being upstanding. You can think of, maybe you have already in your mind someone that exhibits virtue. Knowledge. Now this, the word here is gnosis, which is kind of part of the knowledge that he talked about when he talks about through the knowledge of him who called us, but that's epinosis. Epa is like above. And so there's a knowledge that's like about Christ and the knowledge of him and that intimate knowledge that we talked about last week. But then there's knowledge here, which is like an understanding of how to live well. Okay, so they're, this, they're similar, but they're not the same. This is especially true as it relates to um, how to understand how to live with others well, like other people around us. This, this word is also dropped in First uh, Peter when he's talking about husbands with wives, that you live with them in an understanding way. That's not the type of, that's the same type of understanding as of our understanding with the Lord, but it's an understanding of how to live well with my wife. And so understanding or knowledge, um, self-control, whoo! Can, do you master your desires, or do the desires master you? Passions. The Bible is very clear throughout the whole thing that behavior comes from motive or heart desire. That that's, if you're unsure, why do I do the things I do? Why do I say the things I say? Well, Jesus says that comes from your heart, doesn't it? And so self-control is working with the Lord, working with the Spirit to master those desires at the core of who you are, that you'd have new desires. This is especially true when you think about sensuality or, or sexual desires. Proverbs 25, 28, this is a good memory verse. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Now, 
We're not really concerned about safety like they might be there. We don't have walls around Ewing Township that if they're broken down, we feel defenseless, right? We have a different type of feeling of security, but certainly in David's era, that the walls are surrounding the city were the main source of security. Because any, any other nation could come in and just take over. Just, but if we had walls and we had a gate, we could defend better. And he's saying, a man without self-control is just open to be destroyed. Steadfastness going on. That's uh, perseverance, fortitude, ability to endure. I like the idea of uh, sailors in a storm. And, they're, and they, they have to hold tight the sails. So they're not moving. They're holding tight. But is there a strain against them that's trying to pull them? Yeah. So that, that holding fast under strain or being immovable despite there still being an outside force. James 5, he, James mentions this as it, as it relates to Job, the steadfastness of Job. And many of you, I'm not going to go through Job's whole story because many of you know it, but Job went through a ton of suffering, a ton of things happening to him. And there's this, implica- there's this, uh, there's this idea that Job was able to, even in his brokenness, even in his wondering what God's doing, he, was, he wasn't being moved by those things that were happening to him. They weren't taking him and throwing him into the water. He was able to hold fast. And then we have godliness or piety or, or devotion to the Lord. See, we start to read like self-control, steadfastness, and we might start to think stoicism. And that's becoming like popular. It's coming back. It's cycling back through. And it's like this idea that I will just not have any emotion. But here we see godliness is directed. The, the, you know, these, these things we're supposed to add to our faith are not just behaviors. They're actually behaviors directed towards someone. God. A very, godliness, a very practical awareness of God in every aspect of life. And then we have brotherly affection. We like this, right? Because it's the Philadelphia. That's what that word is. Philadelphia, brotherly affection, brotherly love. Warmth or cherishing of the, peop- of the brothers and sisters around us. Kindness. There, this is all throughout the New Testament. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Brotherly affection. Um, I see that in us. Don't, don't, many of you that call this place home, you see that. You, you experience that. That brotherly affection. Finally, with love. This is the ultimate, isn't it? Agape. Unconditional love. Maybe if you have a King James Version, you see charity. Same word. G. Campbell Morgan says this, Faith, remember we started at faith, right? Supplement your faith. Faith is the root principle. You think about the roots of the tree. Faith is the root principle. And this must be developed until it reaches 
ultimate fruitage, which is love. So it starts as faith. And then the, the, what's sanctification, what's growing in grace look like? It keeps growing until the outward thing is agape love around us, towards the world around us, towards the Lord. This connection of faith and love is found throughout a lot of the scripture. I'll just give you two examples. 1 Corinthians 13, many of you know this because you've been to a wedding before. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. That just means it hasn't bore the fruit. So if it, it's not bearing the fruit, what's the, what is the root system? What is the health of the tree? And then we have Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. What does count? But only faith working through love. These two are connected. And, and it's almost, I kind of think of like a ladder. Okay? So faith being the bottom rung and maybe love being the top rung. But you need all the rungs to get there, don't you? Can you just like skip all of it and then just go to the top? No. You can't. You need every single rung to hold the whole thing together as well. And so this is a complete, he's, he's trying to give a complete picture of what it looks like to add to your faith, to do diligence. So I think we like this list. You guys like this list, right? You like when people treat you like they're giving due diligence to this. And you like the idea of you yourself doing it. But what does our heart do? Doesn't it, our heart want to supplant some of these characteristics with something a little easier? Like, I'm just not going to drink or smoke or do something like that. Right? We, we refrain from focusing on this because it's easier to do something else rather than cooperate with the Spirit to acquire uh, being known by these qualities. Is it... If you really gave your due diligence to this, would this be an easy task? Or would it require something of you? It would require something of you. But man, we are known to take the easy path and do something that looks godly, but it's not defined by this. Let's keep going. Verse 8. For if these qualities, the ones we just went through, are yours and are increasing, what do they do? They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from, her, from his former sins. So Peter gives the result of either living into the, this knowing of Christ with faithful participation or... He contrasts that with letting the gospel sit in the garage of our life, collecting dust and rust. So he says, for if these things, you've been doing your due diligence to acquire these things and supplement your faith with these things, if they're yours, they're, they define you and are not only yours, but increasing, you see the present and active, like it's like, it is now, and it's continuing to do it. If you have that, 
Well, what's the result? Effectiveness and fruitfulness. Does anyone feel like you're not useful for God's kingdom? Like, uh, maybe that's not a fair question. How many of you feel, feel, don't raise your hands, please, that you're just grateful you get to be part of it? But you don't really see your place in it. You're just glad that you've been invited to the party. But you're not fruitful. You're not engaging. you're You're not effective for the kingdom, for Jesus Christ. He's saying this is how you become effective. By focusing, giving your due diligence to adding to your faith to living like these things, that this power that God has given us, this, these promises that God has given us, living like they're true is what allows us to be fruitful or effective for the kingdom and not just have a seat at the table, which is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. The, remember the, the, the thief on the cross that received the Lord, right? That received forgiveness. He didn't get a chance to really be fruitful except for his repentance, which is a good fruit. But he didn't get to be really effective for that. So it is good to have a seat at the table. But how much more to participate in the kingdom? To feel like we have purpose. I love this version. Uh, I I forgot to write down which translation it comes from. But if you have these qualities existing and growing in you, then it means that knowing our Lord Jesus Christ has not made your lives either complacent or unproductive. This is a lifelong course, is it not? Do you get to take this course for like three semesters and then you're done? No, this is a lifelong thing. What's on the other hand, okay? Fruitfulness and effectiveness on one hand, but for whoever lacks these qualities, he's talking to Christians. Now remember this. He's talking to Christians when he says this. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. The absence of these qualities, or I think it'd be fair to say the stagnancy of growth in these qualities, demonstrates what? Blindness. We might take that because we're, not, we're trying to, okay, that's a nice metaphor, I get it, I have to wear glasses. But what is blindness? I think of forgetfulness, right? Because that's what he connects it to. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted, Having forgotten. Forgotten what? About forgiveness. About the great gift, the great promise of our forgiveness of our sins in Christ. So what is blindness? It's, it's living in the darkness of, not living in the light of that forgiveness, but living in a darkness that forgets that forgiveness. And I think there's an endanger, we're in danger to increase blindness. Some of you are losing your sight. Yeah? Yeah, got them right here. But what happens when we lose it totally? What's easier? To have a little bit or have none? Right? There's a danger. It's it's a progressive danger in both direct it's it's progressive in both directions. Have these things and are increasing, or have it and be losing it further. So pride 
or humility are on display in our lives. Would you agree? You, you are displaying something about your, what you think about the Lord as you walk around in your daily life. Would you agree with that? You display something. Pride or humility are on display based on the degree to which we remember our forgiveness. Right? What, what happens when you're, we're prideful? It's because we've forgotten about the great cost of our forgiveness. And we think we deserve, we, he should be lucky to have me in the kingdom. Look at me. You know what I mean? He probably had to only die a little bit. Like, this is, this is where pride lives. is in forgiveness of our own need. But humility gets displayed when the cross is magnified in our mind. Not just for the moment when we receive salvation, but every day following. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. That's what that means. So when we close our eyes to the spiritual, our spiritual eyes to the truth, man, we become ineffective. I think this happens in two directions. This, there's a lot of twos today. I hope you saw that. One, how do we live lives that are, lives that are ineffective? One is we're aware of our sin. We are aware of our sin, but we, forgive, we forget the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And the other side is we're unaware of our sin and we don't even look for forgiveness in Christ. And both, what's at the heart of both is pride, isn't it? The, the second one's easy to tell that that's pride. I don't, need, I don't need forgiveness. That's easy to tell. The first one's a little tougher because doesn't that say that my sin is too great for Christ's forgiveness? That he's not big enough. He's not holy enough to cleanse me of my sins. My sins are greater. And there's pride there. So that happens in two directions. Forgetfulness, blindness. You guys heard that other places in the scripture? It's because it's important to the Lord. David, he knew that he could forget the benefits of walking with the Lord, the benefits of being the Lord's. David knew that. In Psalm 103, he says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why would he pray that? Why would he sing that? It's because he knows that he can forget the benefits. Who forgives all our iniquity, for all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy. It's, it, it's a blessing to have songs to sing that remind us about these things, these truths about the Lord. And David there has put one to pen because he himself has experienced his own blindness, his own forgetfulness of the Lord. Let's finish here in verses 10 to 11. Therefore, what's therefore mean? It means based on everything I just said. Therefore, brothers, sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Not you will, you might not never fall. If you're lucky, it is, a, it is very emphatic 
in the Greek. You will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the kingdom, eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now notice how this whole passage that we started in verse 3 has kind of bookends to it, okay? Well, sorry, verse 5. I lied, verse 5. He said, make every effort. He said, be diligent. And now we have closing, as he said, therefore, he says it again, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. What he's saying is, make sure of it. Like, it's like legal terminology that validates a document. So if you have like an, a, a will, um, like, a, like a, a, a will and a testament after, after the death, there's, the, there's this document, and we need to validate that it's actually the document. And that's what he's saying. Make sure that this is validated. And so what's he calling us to? To be diligent, to confirm or to make sure of our own calling and election. That is connected. That's, that's hard to understand. Like, okay, I don't know how to do that. Well, he's telling us, practice the qualities. That's how you confirm that you've been elected. Because you, you want to live into these qualities that he's given us. You have a desire to please the Lord and honor the Lord. If you want to know, am, am I elected? Am I one of the elect? Have I been called by God? Well, do you understand salvation? That it's not you, but Christ? And do you have a heart for Christ? Do you love Christ? Even if it's a failed bit. Like, even if there's only a little bit of affection and love towards Christ. Well, then, practice these qualities, and you'll confirm it. Because what will he provide? His spirit. To grow us. And, to, forget, and to, to remind us of the forgiveness and to keep spurring us on. This idea of working out our salvation, maybe you've already kind of connected to Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Grace and works are not mutually exclusive from one another. The scripture shows us that there is a primary and a secondary, but they are, they are, they are together. That as we work for the Lord, as we do our due diligence, that reminds us of our great need and our great, the great power we have in Christ. And it reminds us, and it, what it does is gives us assurance that we are truly called that we have been called. And so if you have no desire, or if you think that maybe, you know, heaven's based on if, you're, if you die or not, like, oh, everyone goes to heaven or something like that. You have a wrong understanding of salvation or you have no desire. Those are things that are very, uh, I think, would lead us to be very dangerous about giving us, oh, I'm, I'm sure of my salvation. I'm sure of my election. Stumbling and falling stink, don't they? Have you guys ever walked with someone? Or maybe even you're here and you have stumbled or fallen? 
in your walk with the Lord? It is hard, isn't it not? Peter doesn't want that. He doesn't want that for the people he's writing to. He wants to give them the assurance of how they know they will never fall. And that's by taking the power that God has given us and the promises that God has given us so that we can partake of his nature that he has given us and walk accordingly and be so confident, so assured that we are his, that we will never fall. That's what Peter wants. Notice it's not never experience troubles, right? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say you'll never experience anything being hard. Luke 6 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I, do, what I say? Do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house. Notice, both are building houses. Both are adding things to their life. But one does it on a foundation of rock and the other does it on a foundation that does, a sand. When the stream comes, when the troubles come, immediately the one that built on the sand fell and the ruin of that house was great. See, trouble is going to come. I promise you that. But falling does not have to come. Stumbling in the Lord does not have to come. That only comes when we're blind, when we forget our salvation. So he says, for in this way, he's connecting the, this idea of calling an election and, and being assured of your calling an election to the end. For in this way, you will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Full and free admission. Now we see the greater bookends. So how did verse 3 start? His divine power has done what? Has, has granted. Did we go and grab his divine power or did he give it to us? You could say, you could, yeah, say it. He gave it to us. He provided it. It came from him. And now the ending of this little st start of Peter's letter is saying it also finishes with him as well. You will be richly provided for an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is not saying if you don't add these things to your faith, you don't get the entrance. Remember, it starts further, it starts before verse 5. It starts in verse 3 and 4. It starts with him and it ends with him, but we are called to participate in the middle. Right? You guys see that? We are called to be part of it in the middle. So, are you running the race right now? How and what, to what quality are you running the race? Philippians 3. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, this sounds like diligence, does it not? Any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, focus, effort, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for, my, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's a lot to read. Paul is, Paul is expressing a testimony of what is done in his life to supplement his faith with these things. But diligently, focused, with exertion, he's putting everything to the, in one category and his walk with the Lord in the other category and saying, I'm going to give my focus, my, exer- my exertion towards this. These things matter, but this matters more. And just, just as we close, the end provides a motivation for today. Think about the provided for you. All these things, all this provision of, the God, of God is meant to spur us on because of that entrance that he has provided for us. So do you, do you work because you feel like you have to earn your place? Or do you work and supplement your faith with virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love? Do you try to diligently add these things to your life because you're grateful for the great gift of salvation in Christ? That's certainly meant to be our motivation. So make sure when you read these pieces of 2 Peter in the future, that you're connecting verses 3 and 4 as the primary source of 5 to 11. It first starts with him, then it's us, and then it's him again, providing again. He is the provider. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful. And so for someone here, in a room this big, this many people from this many backgrounds, has been striving in their own strength to find their way to you. And Lord, we're just reminded again that striving is not the issue, but the motivation, the why is the issue. And Lord, if it's any bit of pride, you can't enter into that. And so Lord, would... Would whoever here is striving on their own, outside of God's provision, outside of your provision, 
Would you redeem that? Redeem that effort for your glory. Redeem that effort and place it underneath your headship. Lord, that you can get the glory for your great salvation and the great working of sanctification in our life. Lord, let this be a reminder to each of us today to check our, what are we focused on? What are we exerting ourselves towards? And does it match with our confession of who you are? Or does, it, or does that behavior, does that direction confess another king? So help us, Lord, and we trust you will. It's in your son's name. Amen.
Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Worthy. is he not and those that meditate on his law day and night they're like a tree that is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season its leaf does not wither the wicked are not so they are like a chaff that the wind drives away the provision to never stumble or fall is there Hold on to it this week. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you.